0: Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline. I am Matthew Statler, and I'm here with... Neil Grogan. And today, we are examining the Lord's Prayer. And there's no amount of time that we could do justice to it, uh, because it is so incredibly rich. But we are going to um, maybe give a, a an overview, get in the weeds in a couple areas. But ultimately, we just want to... Spend some time with you, meditating on this passage um, and thinking about it. Neil, would you be so kind as to read our passage?
1: Yeah, and and let me just say, you know, I think just as a pastor, uh, one of the things I hear more than anything is, man, I just don't know how to pray. Or, or if I'm asking them what their prayer life is like, there's not a real answer because it's it's void. Um, It doesn't really exist. And, you know, the model that Jesus gives us, I mean, if you read the Gospel of Luke, what you're going to find very easily is that Jesus made this a central practice of his ministry and of his life. And so um, if it's something that Jesus took such great stock in being connected to the Father, um, then it's something we need to pause and try to understand and engage in. Right. Um, But yeah, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, I think we'll read through 14, says this, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. This was read from the Christian Standard Bible versions. If you were wondering why I didn't say, Our Father, who art in heaven. um, Read from the Christian Standard Bible translation. And uh, guys, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this, this um, prayer is part
0: of the Beatitudes or what we would say, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Right. It, it comes after how to give, right? What, uh, what giving is, and then it goes into the praying and or into praying and then how to fast and then God's care about God and possessions and then the cure for anxiety and um, how to live with other people, etc. So Matthew sandwiches in there for a reason. Uh, Neil, did you have something you wanted to say about that?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Matthew sandwiches it in for a reason because he's talking to the people who are following him. Um, the people are hearing him and you know, this is such a, if I get this question, (laughs) how much more did Jesus get this question? You know, Um, Lord teach us to pray. And so the, the intro basically Matt is verses five through um, five through eight, which kind of talks about how we approach God in prayer. And, you know, Albert Moeller, the president of the the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary uh, wrote this book called The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down. And this is what he had to say about approaching the Lord's Prayer specifically. He said this, The Lord's Prayer does not teach us the artifice or the mechanics of prayer. Instead, the Lord Jesus rearranges our theology and breaks open our faulty misconceptions about the character of God and our deepest needs in this world. He teaches us that prayer is not about impressing God, rather it is about praising Him by humbly coming before Him to offer the kind of prayer that pleases Him. As Jesus' disciples, we need to pray. We are created to be a praying people, but we desperately need instruction on how to pray. We need the Lord Jesus Christ Himself to teach us to pray because left to our own devices, we will pray wrongly. We need to approach the Lord's prayer with the same request and attitude as Christ's disciples. We need to ask the Lord to teach us to pray. Of course, Jesus was ready to teach his disciples before they were ready to learn. And he is ready to teach us too. So in this this kind of opening, verses 5 through uh, 8, we're taught a lesson on truly humility on what it means to come before God. And Jesus gives some examples of things not to do. What do you see in the text, Matt? Well, first, he says, uh, whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, right?
0: Those are the the actors. Don't be like an actor who goes into the synagogue and on the street corner to be seen by other people. And they're out there um, publicly giving long prayers and babbling like other people um, and and what God is against here and Jesus is condemning is the desire to be seen as a um, pious person as a um, a prayer warrior on the street corner praying out um, you know blessings and curses and everybody look at me um, essentially mm. when the reality is their private life, is a, uh, is not a praying life. Mm. And so what they're not praying inwardly, they're praying outwardly. Right. And we can see that on a, on a lesser scale with the people that like always have these really verbose prayers that are, are really superficial. Um, right. and you, you know, you've heard it and and sometimes we get into a rut, don't we? And we say, you know, the same things over and over again. And, um, it's not an intimate conversation. It's just a performance. Mm. And so that's what it looks like Christ is condemning, is is those who are trying to put on a performance with their prayers as if they are praying to people, not to God. Matt, does this remind you at all for, of Isaiah 1? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, why, don't you, very, why don't you let that out? out. <laughs> well, in Isaiah 1, um, the the people of Israel, the, the, they would worship other gods, but at the same time, they were worshiping um, the one true God, and they were doing that externally, but at the same time, they were worshiping these other gods, or or they were even coming and paying lip service, where they would go through the motions, but there wasn't any true prayer going on. And in fact, uh, God says he hates it and doesn't want to, and won't listen to those prayers. In fact, they are a burden to him. And one of my favorite lines in that is, um, I hate iniquity with a festival, right? (laughs) And it's always like a a party, but you're celebrating your hypocrisy. And so if you're going to go and and be a hypocrite in your praying, where you're just saying words, but not actually truly um, praying to the the Lord, you're actually not moved by... um, your desire to have a conversation with him, then don't even bother because God's not interested in a performance.
1: Absolutely. So that kind of, and then Jesus kind of concludes with like, don't be like those people. <laughs> don't, That's right. Don't do not do that. Have, have a heart that sets humbly before the Lord or, you know, in first Peter, it says to, um, to, oh gosh, what is the first word? Something, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That would make sense why my brain went there. That's Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, casting all your cares upon him. And so there's this this necessity of humility and uh, some of the identifiers of pride Jesus lays out before us, babbling, um, standing in the street with your hands up, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then he says, remember that the father knows these things before you need to ask him uh, the things you need before you ask him. But, you know, Matt, something I hear often is, well, if he knows my needs before I ask him, what's the point of me even asking him? How would you answer that question? Sorry, we got disconnected there. Yeah, Matt, I said, you know, it, it ends in verse 8 with the Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. And I hear a lot of times, Matt, you know, well, then if He already knows and He's sovereign, then what's the point of me even asking Him? How would you answer that question? Right. Well, first off, it's
0: why, why are we praying in the first place? Is this like a vending machine situation where I'm putting my my dime or quarter of prayer into the slot and getting out the candy and reward that I want? Um, Or is this um, a sign of intimacy and conversation with God? And Mm -hmm. so ultimately we have that, but we also know that God uses prayer as a means to accomplish His will. And so a lot of times our praying is what accomplishes what God has will. It's kind of like the, the idea of there's second um, hand results or God uses people to accomplish his task. Like God doesn't need you or me to preach the word. It says the rocks will cry out in praise, right? right. But he uses us as vessels for his, his glory, his accomplishment. And so the same thing with prayer, um, It's 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 not only telling him our concerns, but it's allowing him um, to reveal to us that maybe our concerns shouldn't be our concerns. Um, it's allowing us to, to place our trust in him. And it, and it is, in many ways, kind of like our kids. You know, how many, t- how many times do you have kids that come to you and they're hungry? They're so hungry and they want to have dinner. Well, you're going to give them dinner, anyways. Like, dinner's already been planned. Like, you're not going to let your children starve. Um, but by them asking you, for dinner, um, it's a a way for them to show they're relying on you for their food, um, or the same thing with praise and 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 being thankful. Um, we are so tempted to be ungrateful and unthankful um, that it's part of prayer is thanksgiving. So I guess it could be helpful to to walk through just really quickly um, the different parts of prayer. So. One easy acronym that I use a lot um, is not really my primary one anymore, but it's ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And so adoration is you are um, praising God for who he is and what he's done. You're adoring God for his stuff, just as if you would write um, a, uh, a love letter to your spouse in many ways. You say, oh, you're so beautiful or wonderful wife of mine. I don't know how you would say it. I don't do a lot of adoration, so I probably will get fired. But uh, adoration for the Lord is um, recognizing the good things he's done. And, and we see that in, in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. We're recognizing who he is. And then we have confession, uh, and that's where we fail to measure up. So if God is holy and we are not, um, that's the first thing Lord you know, I, I fail today and this and that. And then you have Thanksgiving where you thank the Lord and then supplication where you make your requests. And that's just yeah. an easy way to, to break down your prayers so that it's not centered around only asking or only um, desiring. So I know that's a long way to answer your, your question, Neil. Um, yeah. But yeah, we do pray, even though he knows all things, um, we do that as a expression of our dependence on him. We ask because it's a means of his accomplishment. Um, we see that in James, where he talks about calling the elders to pray over someone who's sick. It's not because the elders have magical powers that can heal people. It's because um, that level of dependence on on God is represented in our praying.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe a just a really dumbed down way to say that is man, prayer is deeply personal. Um, and that's why Jesus starts with our father, our father who is in heaven. Um, who is your father? (laughs) That's who you're praying to, you know, and, and let's be serious here. We know the father through the son and Jesus. There's an exclusivity to this relationship we are to have with the father and we have it through Christ, the son. And, um, and that, there's some confidence in that, right? We can know we are adopted children of God because of what Christ has done and our faith, which has been exercised upon Him, who is the object. And so, because of that, we can pray with confidence. We can we can come. We can draw near, like Hebrews four says, with boldness, with with confidence um, to our Father. And then, as Matt said, we 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 uh, adore him. What has he done? We should honor who he is because um, in his communicable or shared attributes, it should uh, affect us. We are to relate to him and relate to others based out of that realization of who God is. And so, of course, we're not perfectly holy, right? But we are to be holy as he is holy. So when we ascribe... Something like our father who art in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Um, God, you are alone, perfectly holy. But we are also called to walk in holiness because of this personal relationship we have with you, which, you know, like Matt said, drives us towards confession. Um, In this way, um, we're to desire that his will would be done. What is his will? His will for us is to, to be holy as he is holy in this text, um, uh, to that he is the provider. He provides all things, daily bread, but he also forgives us when we seek uh, forgiveness from him. That's the greatest provision he provides, in, in my opinion. Um, and the, and the, the greatest measure of a miracle is a dead man coming to life, a sinner being washed clean. And this is what Jesus is saying the Father alone can do. And so, you know, all of all of our prayers really hinge on our understanding of of God himself and that we're to have this personal relationship with him. And and that is the beauty of prayer. He's not a God who is just in the sky doing whatever, but he invites his children into that relationship with him as He exercises, brings about His kingdom on the earth through the use of people who are broken um, and and makes His name famous among the nations in that very way. And so we can draw near to Him with confidence.
0: Neil, um, in this it says, Therefore, you should pray like this. So does that mean that we just just repeat the Lord's prayer over and over again or... Uh, Do we just take this prayer and just say it every night and every morning? Uh, Is that how we pray? We just repeat the same words that Jesus
1: tells us to? Uh, I would say it this way. Yes and no. We are to teach our children and people this way to pray that Jesus taught us. I say that yes, because we are to pray this prayer also. But yes and no, meaning... This provides for us the construct of which to um, base our prayers upon how we are to pray, how we are to understand prayer, and uh, how we are to relate to God. And so Jesus gives us uh, much more than a formula, but that's probably the simplest way I can probably phrase it. He a gives model. Us a model, yeah, a model for prayer. Um, So, yeah, we absolutely, Matt, we should teach our kids this prayer. We should pray this prayer with our kids. But on top of that, we should model all of our prayers off of this, this one. This is the fulcrum.
0: Yeah, I would, you know, for me and my in my prayer life, obviously having this memorized um, is such a a help in my prayer time because I can lay in bed. I don't have to have a light on. I don't need to have my phone out um, and I can take each line from this prayer and turn it into, um, an extensive or a more extensive prayer. Uh, and so I'm not improving on it. I'm just making it applicable to my life. Um, and the way I do that, and I've, I've stolen this from Martin Luther's uh, four garlands thing, and we can maybe drop something in the show notes about this, but basically you look for the instruction, um, And so our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. And that immediately says that we need to honor God's name as holy. And so um, I see the instruction and then I see that I don't measure up. Right. And so I confess, God, I've not honored your name as holy as much as I should. I've talked about you in in frivolous ways or I've thought about you in less than honorable ways. Um, Then I thank him for being our father, for being holy, and then I, you know, make a petition. Lord, help me honor Your name as holy in my day-to-day life And everything that I do. Help me to honor You as holy. In fact, then I move on to Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, you know, and and that we could go through the same full four garland thing. The I T C P um, instruction that we are to um, hasten the kingdom coming. That sorry, you know, we long for it. We should seek it. Um, we should be uh, men who work and women who work for the kingdom and for God's will to be done on this earth. Uh, we give thanks that God's kingdom is coming and is partially here, if, if you want to use that language, and that um, his will is done in heaven and needs to be done here on earth. And then we, of course, will petition, Lord, uh, help me to do your will here in my job. Um, help me to be a, a, a representative of the King, an ambassador of the kingdom uh, to my daycare or to my business or to my coworkers at the police department.
1: Yeah, and and at the end of that, in verse 13, he talks about not bringing us into in- temptation, but delivering us from the evil one. Um this is really a reminder of a couple things. One, you are in the midst of a, and even though the Bible doesn't say it this way explicitly, it's implicit. We're in the midst of a spiritual war, um, that is a reality of which we live in, and based on our relationship with the Father through the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit, we can know there that the doom is coming for Satan, right? The evil one. We will be delivered from. But sometimes in our lives, in our sinful condition, uh, we feel like there is no deliverance for us, right? Um, yeah. And so, you know, Jesus is saying, man, we you are to cry out to the Father for deliverance from Satan, from the entanglements and snarements of, of the evil one. Um, to be free, not free of temptation, but not to fall into it, not to be ensnared by it. And so I think that that brings the question, you know, Matt, um, when we pray for God to deliver us, does this mean, so like if I'm a uh, 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 an addict of, we'll say a, 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 a lustful addict, right? A sexual addict. Um, and I'm asking God, Lord, would you please deliver me from this? I don't even, I don't even want to be, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to have urges. I don't want to, whatever. Is that the kind of deliverance Jesus is talking about? What, what is, what is Jesus talking about here? Um,
0: well, (laughs) that's a loaded question in so many ways. But so in some ways, yes, Um, in some ways, yes, you should be praying for deliverance from lustful thoughts. You should be praying for this, confessing that you have them, um, accepting that you are forgiven, and then, of course, requesting um, God's help in fighting against them. But we also know that God provides a way of escape. Um, So, uh, you know, the the scripture tells us that when you are tempted, um, look for a way of escape. As well. 1 Corinthians and so, 10 13. That's right. And so we need to keep in mind that we are praying for deliverance. We are praying for help. And in many ways, God provides that escape by us choosing not to follow through. So, um, you know, a simple example I use this all the time is when I was um, a drunk, I had a tendency to be tempted every time I pass the gas station or dropped in on a gas station because there's alcohol there. I can grab whatever I want. Um, and so it got to the point where if I was driving by one, I would look for excuses to drop in and pick up some alcohol. And what I had to do is I had to confess the thought um, of the desire. And I, and I would say, God, you know, I'm tempted once again, let me out of here. And instead of stopping on the brake and turning in, I stepped on the gas and drove past. Right. And we have to remember that um, we are seeking deliverance and God provides a way of escape. And our desire is to resist the evil one um, so that he will flee from us, as Peter tells us. But ultimately, um, it's, it's the combination thing of doing our Doing what we can, as well as God working in us, and so yes, you are praying for deliverance from evil and from temptation, um, but at the same time, that does not mean Jesus take the wheel, and we don't let go, or we let go and let God, or whatever cliche you want to throw in there. Um, so yeah, so so be aware of that. That this this request to deliver us from the evil one um, is absolutely God. And his um authority to do so yeah. but we also are called to um will and to work according to his purpose right. so um it, it it's hard to to unpack all that in in one
1: um one little uh, bit th- i think you did a great job you know we we're asking for deliverance in two ways lord would you free me from the bounds of the sin and two lord would you help me to see more clearly the way out deliver me a way out when I am in the throes of the temptation, right? Uh, Well, yeah. You know,
0: uh, just thinking about that, Neil, it's like you're typing in a pornographic website on your cell phone and then praying, God, deliver me from this temptation. (laughs) Throw that
1: phone away, man. Like get it away from you. Oh yeah. 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 Go get yourself a flip phone. It's all right. They're cool. 2021 flip phone styles, you know, but that's the whole point. Do whatever you can wage war against your flesh wage war against the enemy one empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. The, the son has secured for you an everlasting salvation, which He is saving you each day of your life until you stand in the father's presence, fully redeemed and clothed in righteousness. And that is something we can take to the bank. There will be true eternal deliverance, but yeah. In the meantime, we fight, right? We have to wage war. And we're asking God for for to deliver us what he promises us, which is in first Corinthians 10 13. I think Paul's um, thinking about this actually here in Matthew six, this way of escape, this way of yeah. deliverance. And kind of to, to turn the corner now, Jesus ends with an excerpt on forgiveness. And uh, I think a lot of people sometimes say it like, "Well, so you're saying, if I don't forgive someone else, then then I can't be forgiven by God. Is that what Christ is saying? And um, I think I think the the answer probably again is a yes and a no, right? Evidence of one who has been forgiven of much is someone who forgives others of much. And walks that forgiveness out. Ephesians 4, 30, uh, thirty-two says, "Be kind to one another, forgive one, or be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you." So, Matt, you have any thoughts on that whole excerpt there? Yeah, I think
0: um, you know, obviously, unpacking forgiveness is important, and knowing the uh, the different levels and all that of. Uh, of an attitude of forgiveness versus transacted forgiveness. And these are things we need to know. But I think ultimately you hit the nail on the head. You don't truly understand what you have been forgiven. If you are not willing to forgive others, what they've done to you. Um, That's what that whole parable is about where um, the unforgiving servant who, you know, who's who went and found his buddy after being forgiven, you know, a, a whole year's wages Found his buddy who owed him, you know, a, a tic tac worth of money, and he went over there and started choking him out because he owed him little. And I think that's important that we we recognize it's our duty to forgive. Um, and so often, and, and try to be trying to be as pastoral as possible. Maybe you don't truly understand the heinousness of your sin against God and what he's done to forgive you if someone harms you and you're not willing to forgive them. Uh, um, and that's something if you're really struggling with forgiveness, uh, Neil and I would be happy to talk to you about it, send us a message or an email, um, comment on social media. Uh, we'd love to, to talk with you. Um, and that's kind of what we do a lot on a daily basis is is work with people through this this concept of forgiveness. Uh, as well, you know, as we also seek to forgive others when they harm us. And so, um, Neil, this has been such a great passage um, full of of richness. And it's something that I think you should probably spend some time this week meditating on. Um, Maybe if you haven't memorized the Lord's Prayer, begin a process of memorizing it um, and then start praying through the various lines of it. Um, using it as a model for your your daily prayers as you see uh, what God does in your life with this passage as you grow closer to Him um, and have a fuller understanding of Him. Ne- Neil, did you have any last um, words?
1: Yeah, and if you'd like to know or have some resources, just a fuller kind of exposition of, the, of this text, um, J.R. Packer's written a really helpful book called Praying the Lord's Prayer which is uh it's personally my favorite but uh also Albert Moeller's book The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down is an incredible book um and they're both you know small in stature easily digestible and kind of help you establish and think through these things more deeply but you know I just the last thing I just want to say to close this down Matt is this 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 is an action That Jesus took daily. He sought the father's will and he moved forward based out of that will. (laughs) Um, The relationships we have, the relationship we have with God is secured through the son. So you do not know Jesus. Um, I would I would maybe pose the question, who are you praying to? Um, Because we cannot know the father except through the son. Jesus is exclusive for salvation, for this relationship. And second, it is this. Um, why would you neglect speaking with your father? Um, there, is, there is no better practice um, than ingesting or breathing in God's word and breathing out prayer. It is the life by which the Christian lives. And so I'd encourage you guys to consider and review your prayer life, read the Lord's prayer, think through it, and let it drive you towards a more fulfilling um, um, practice, um, the spiritual discipline uh, of this spiritual discipline. But until next, guys, we thank you for listening again to the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Until next time, Matt and Neil, we out. Oh, oh, oh.